Well, good morning, church. Okay, come on. I know Clemson, Carolina last night, whatever. Good morning, church. Because we're excited to be here. Listen, Carolina football is back. Clemson football is back. Can I get an amen? Okay, so that was exciting too. Okay, so my name is um, Trevor Miller. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Horeb. And I'm gonna stop trying to hype you up. But we're excited to be here this morning to be able to open the scriptures together and to learn something new today for God to do something within us, to form us. And so I'm excited to be with you on our last week of our current sermon series called Holy Habits. And um, actually this week I was in preparation for this message reading through a bunch of different articles about really famous people and some of the habits they have in their life to make them so successful they are actually famous people. And it's funny because when I was reading through the articles, all of them pointed at different reasons and different things as to why the success has come about. But there was one that popped up over and over and over again, and it was the fact that these people got up early. Anybody in the room was like, no thanks. I don't care how unsuccessful I'll ever be, I will never get up early. In fact, the article said that these people got up three hours before their workday began. Like a, a good majority, great uh, ratio of those people who were successful, who were self-made millionaires, got up three hours before their workday started. I'm like, I'm lucky if it's three minutes before my workday starts and I'm getting up. But these people, this is what made them successful. Now the reason is because this. Getting up early in the morning is not going to automatically make your life click perfectly. It's just not gonna do it. It's not, it's not like a silver bullet or anything but it is something that is called a keystone habit. Meaning, if you have this habit in place, it actually spills over into other habits within your life. So you're getting up early, and because you're getting up early, maybe you're more disciplined, you're working out, you're saving money. Other disciplines begin to follow in line after you get that one discipline in place. This series we've been talking about, this Holy Habit series, the reason this is so important is because the three things we've been discussing, or two things so far, and today the third thing that we'll discuss, these are keystone habits. Now as Christians, certainly there's all kinds of habits that we could point to be like, this thing has helped me become more like Jesus. This thing has really changed my life or transforming some kind of reading the Bible, spending time in prayer. You can name all of the good habits. But the three that we're talking about are keystone habits. So if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about intentionality living an intentional life. When we live intentional lives, then life doesn't just happen to us, we're actually kind of getting the most out of it that we could possibly get out of it. And then last week, uh, Pastor Chad Myers was here, did a great job, if you were here, talking about gratitude. If we live as grateful people, it's a keystone habit that unlocks other habits within our life as well. So during this sermon series, this is all that we've been talking about. And so these folks who are super successful, three hours before they get out of bed, they set an alarm, or for some of us in the room, alarms all the way across the room to get up out of bed, get going early, and get all the things, the daunting things done first. So here's the truth. All of us in the room, um, we probably struggle when it comes to the thing that we're gonna talk about today, and that is patience, patience. So living an intentional life, being grateful people, and learning how to become patient people I believe our holy habits, that if we implement them into our life, they will absolutely transform the way that we live. Now, I just wanna get this out at the very beginning of this message. I am not someone that you would consider to be a patient person. My wife's at my house right, right now, like, amen. I'm not a patient person. I'm the guy who's like opening the microwave when there's four seconds left, you know? Like, just give it four more seconds. I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm the guy that when you go and you fill your car up with gas and it's filling up and it's filling up and you got like, $13 in, you're like, that's good enough, you know? And I drive off. And then I'm back there way earlier than I would have been if I just would have waited a little bit longer to fill up the tank. You know, I'm that guy. 
I'm the one that's filling the coffee pot while it's still brewing, you get it, right? So I'm not the most patient person in the room. And so the fact that I'm preaching this morning on patience is a bit ironic, but perhaps we can learn something together, be formed together. As I've been researching and studying this week, God has been teaching me something about being patient. And so this morning as you hear this message, it is kind of like learning how to cook a steak from a vegetarian or something. Like learning how to be patient for me is a little bit uh, ironic, but I believe God can still teach us something. So here's what I wanna begin this morning. First and foremost, I think we have to understand that we have an interesting relationship with time, probably all of us in the room. We have a hard time discerning like how long something should take or how long something should not take. And so we're gonna do a little bit of an experiment this morning to kind of test this theory, okay? So here's what I want you to do, it's very simple. I want you to stay seated in your chair. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes in just a second. I'm gonna put a 60 second clock up on the screen and all I want you to do is stand up when you think it's been 60 seconds. Okay, so when I say go, there'll be a 60 second clock on the screen. You'll have your eyes closed, sitting in your chair, and all you do is you stand up when you think it's been 60 seconds. Are you ready? Too bad. So, it's coming on the screen, eyes closed. Here we go, 60 seconds, stand when it's been that long. Ready, set, go. No cheating. Eyes closed. I know some of you are already cheating, trying to count in your head. So no pressure, but when you think it's been 60 seconds, you just stand up, eyes closed the whole time. Now when you stand up, if you're too early, don't let anybody else know. And if you're too late, you can voice your frustration. If you stand up, you can open your eyes when you stand. See how you did. All right, if you're still sitting, you're too patient, go ahead and be done. (laughs) Go ahead and have a seat. (laughs) Now, how many in the room, like when I did this at nine o'clock, it was the same kind of feeling. 60 seconds, you're like, I'm like 10 seconds in, I'm like, okay, let's wrap this up. I came up with this and I'm already done with it. Like, let's get on to the next thing. But it's true, isn't it? Like, we, we are not very good at being able to gauge how long things take. For some of you, you were already standing up, it was like 45 seconds and you're like, yeah, a minute. Oh. And some of y'all, you were still sitting, you could have gone on for another five before you ever stood up thinking it had been only 60 seconds. We have an interesting relationship with time and it's a hard gauge for us, Right? Oftentimes we're wondering, like, how much time do I have? How much time have I spent? How much longer do I have to wait? And it's a byproduct, I believe, of living in a hurried, in a a culture of immediacy. A hurried culture and a culture of immediacy. And because of the culture that we live in, we become people who are incredibly impatient. I mean, if we're just really being really honest, we are impatient parents, aren't we, with our children? I'm just being honest. We love with impatience, we serve with impatience, we grow with impatience. Our culture is a culture of impatience. We are conditioned to be impatient people. I'll give you an example. Think about this. You could go to your house potentially, open up your freezer, pull something out of the freezer, put it in the microwave, within maybe 90 seconds to three minutes, you could have something that would blaze inside of your mouth and tear the roof, uh, skin off the roof of your mouth like a hot pocket or something. In just that much seconds, you could have something to eat straight out of the freezer. Something's not right about that, right? 150 years ago, if you wanted to eat something, you had to go into the woods, find an animal animal of some sort, uh, 
dispose of the animal somehow, I'll just say it that way, take that animal home, prepare it, and then eat it, right? You could spend the entire day trying to fill your stomach. And now, within a few minutes, we can have a Hot Pocket. That's nice. And think about this, there's something called a drive-through. Right, you can drive up to a restaurant, you can speak to a metal box, and within three minutes have something handed to you that you can go home and eat, or if you really are impatient, you can go right into the parking lot and eat it right there. Something's not right about that. Or when I was a kid, there was something called TGIF. Anybody in the room that's about my age? Let me hear you. Okay, maybe not. Um, it was like the best thing ever, because on Fridays, there were great shows that came on. Shows like Step by Step, yeah? Full House, I could go on. You waited for Fridays for these great sitcoms to come on. I was so excited as a, as a middle school kid. And these shows came on, but what happened was you begin to realize with any sitcom, you have a problem that arises, and within 30 minutes, that problem is now taken care of. And by the end of the show, you have the cast of the show being like, listen, we really should love each other. You're right, Dad, and all these things. And you know everything that was so wrong for 30 minutes by the end of the show is like totally taken care of. Is that life? No. No. Most of the times, the things that we struggle with and the things that are difficult for us are not things that culminate within 30 minutes. They may be 30 years. They may never culminate for us. And so we are taught in our culture that, that we should be impatient, let alone the fact that TGIF doesn't exist anymore, but if you wanna go watch them on Netflix, you don't have to wait till Friday every week to see what happens next. You can binge watch it all on a Tuesday night, right? We want it now. We want it all right now. We're conditioned to be impatient people. And we're impatient people because we have been taught that we should not have to wait on things. We, we have been taught and convinced that time should not be a barrier for anything that we want or anything that we desire. And I would argue that it is our impatience that causes some of the biggest problems that we ever face within our life. I would argue that the holy habit that we're discussing today Maybe even over intentionality and gratitude, patience may be the most important holy habit we could introduce within our life to transform us into the people that God wants us to be. The Bible has so much to say about patience. I wanna show you two verses to show the importance of patience. The first one is Proverbs 16, 32. The author says this, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Now think about when this was written. This was written during a time where the cultural language of the day was war. And for the author to say, listen, it's better to be somebody who is patient than somebody who can wield a weapon. It's better to be patient than somebody who can overcome people. This author is saying patience is so important, it supersedes all the other things. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says this, the end of a matter is better than the beginning, and patience is better than pride. The author says, listen, it is better to finish something than it is to start something. Think about that for just a moment. What does that require? Patience. If I'm going to finish something, I have to be patient to allow it to come all the way to its end. You see, it takes patience to improve your health. It takes patience to actually study the scriptures. It takes patience to pray for change day in and day out. It takes patience to love your family and love them well. Patience is one of the highest, most important things the Bible speaks to, multiple places. I would argue that if patience is something that you struggle with this morning, it doesn't take a lot of convincing to realize that our culture has programmed us to be impatient, because I'm one of you, right? I feel it, I know it. 
and it's frustrating to me from time to time. And here's the good news. If you are someone this morning who struggles with patience, you are not the first one to struggle with patience, and you will not be the last one to struggle with patience. We are a long line of impatient people. In fact, in the Old Testament, we encounter a guy in a great story in the Old Testament, and his name is David. You may have heard of him. David becomes king. But in 1 Samuel 16, when we first meet David, David's actually a boy. He's one of eight brothers to a man named Jesse. And the story says in 1 Samuel that Samuel comes and he anoints David as a young boy. He's anointed as king. There's only one problem. There's already a king in Israel. His name's Saul. And the people chose him not long before this. So David is anointed as king in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, I believe. He's anointed king, but he does not become king until 2 Samuel 5, 4. Then he finally becomes king. Guess what? There are 15 years that are spanned between those two passages. 1 Samuel 16, 2 Samuel 5. By the time that David is anointed king to the time he actually becomes king, 15 years of things happen everywhere in between. Things like, I don't know, slaying a giant. He plays the liar for Saul, the king at the time, because of a tormented spirit. He runs away from Saul in the wilderness for years to try to survive. Two different times, he has the opportunity to kill Saul and become the rightful king and take it over. But guess what David says? I will not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. See, David understood patience. 15 years from the time that he is anointed king to the time he becomes king. And I would argue that during those 15 years, David learns things that makes him the godly king that he becomes. And without those 15 years, he would not have learned the lessons he needed about patience to become the person that God wanted him to be. And it's because of those 15 years that David is able to write this really simple verse in Psalm 37, verse seven. Here's what he says. Be still before the Lord and wait what? Patiently for him. Easy for you to say, David. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. You see, here's what David would say. If you've been anointed king, but you are not king yet, you must stay still before the Lord. If there's a diagnosis of some kind, but you don't really have answers, stay still before the Lord. When you're praying about your marriage to be restored, but progress is slow, stay still before the Lord. When you're learning to practice better habits instead of old habits, but temptation continues to come, stay still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. You see, David introduces two words that that seemingly are the same thing, but according to the passage, they're not. Wait patiently. Waiting and being patient are not the same things. I met with someone, a good friend of ours here at the church, and uh, named Steve Arneson. He's a counselor in the community. He's on our staff here at the church, and he opened this verse up to me in a very, very beautiful way. He began to speak about these two words. Here's what he said. Waiting is an element of time, but patience is an element of trust. Waiting is an element of time, but patience is an element of trust. Both waiting and patience are essential to developing this holy habit within our life. When we stand before the Lord in the middle of impatient times, waiting is one thing. Waiting is just a passing of time. Anybody have a dog in the room who likes to fetch things, sticks, and whatever else? If you go out with your dog and you're throwing sticks with that dog and the dog comes back, you get the stick again, what do you say to the dog? Wait, wait. Does that dog wait very well? I don't know about your dog. My dog does not. 
hyperventilating, butt off and on the ground over and over, spinning in circles. They don't wait very well. I mean, time is passing before the stick flies, but that dog is not waiting patiently. He's just waiting until you finally let the stick go once again. You see, waiting and patience are two different things. Waiting is an element of time, but patience is an element of trust. You see, a lot of us, the picture that, that we look like when it comes to waiting on God is just like that dog. We grit our teeth, we check our clock, we're, we're waiting for hopefully just a time that God's gonna finally intervene. But waiting patiently is different. It's not just letting time pass as you wait for your circumstances to change, for God to redeem, to heal, to restore, to provide. It's actually us handing over control and demonstrating trust that God knows better and he's always on time. Waiting is an element of time, but patience is an element of trust. So to develop this holy habit, it requires us giving up our time frames, our timetables, and allowing God to be the faithful God that he has always been and to grow things. So you'll be hard-pressed within the scriptures to find a time when God actually does something immediately. Almost always, God is growing something. He's developing something. He's maturing something. From Genesis to Revelation is one big, long story of God growing something called salvation, redemption for the world. It takes a very long time. We read it through these chapters. People lived it for hundreds and thousands of years. God grows things. And if God grows things, I believe we see it most demonstrated in the world around us uh, through creation, things that we see each and every day. My family, my mom and dad live not far from here on four acres, and they decided one day, we all decided as a family, wouldn't it be great if you could walk out of your house and go to some peach trees in your yard and pick your own peaches straight from the yard? That would be something. So we decided we'll buy three peach trees. So we did, they got, came to the house and we dug holes, we planted the peach, like ceremonially walked out, we're like, peach trees for the yard. And we dug holes and we planted them and, and then we were like, we can't wait for there to finally be peaches on these trees that we can eat, that we've grown in our own yard. And guess what, two years later, guess how many peaches we've had? Zero. In fact, you might say negative one because one of the three trees died and it's a stick in the yard right now. So nothing and death. And here's the hardest part about all of it. We've been so impatient about it. We're like, listen, this has got to be the year. I feel like a Gamecock fan. This has got to be the year. <laughs> I am a Gamecock fan, actually. I'm still waiting. So anyways, this will be the year. Finally, peaches will be on the tree. I just know it. I know it's going to happen. And then nothing, nothing going. And when I look at this, the problem is the peach trees, are they impatient? No. They're just doing what they do. They're just growing, and then eventually, at the right time, they'll produce the fruit that, that God is gonna bring within them. They're, they're created to do just that. Think about all the things within creation that we are so impatient about, and creation is just doing what it's intended to do. And meanwhile, we're checking the clock, stomping our feet, frustrated because things are not happening in the time that we want them to happen. It's interesting to me that within the Bible, patience is talked about often and described as a fruit. It's a fruit. In fact, it's something that God grows and he develops within us. Galatians chapter five, verse 22, 23, very famous passage, you've probably read it many different times. Here's what it says. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. 
There it is, right in the middle. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If patience is a fruit, what that means is that God grows this within us. So some good news, news here. Patience is not something that you develop on your own. It's something that the Spirit of God does within you. So you might say to me, no, listen, church, this is my personality. I'm just not a patient person. I'm like, okay, I got that. But the Spirit of God can do that in you. In fact, the Spirit of God should be developing all these things within us. And if it's not, there might be a problem. You see, I believe developing patience as a fruit within our life has more to do with our submission, giving up control and giving trust over, and waiting on the Lord to do the things that only the Lord can do within us. Not only that, but I believe this particular fruit, this fruit of patience, is a keystone habit within our life that allows us to experience the other fruits of the Spirit. You will never know love in your life unless you have what? Patience. You just won't. You'll never have true peace in your life unless you have patience. Real, true joy unless you have patience. All of the fruits of the Spirit, I would argue, hinge on this one fruit. And it will never develop without handing over trust and submission to the Spirit of God to grow it and develop it within us. But for those of us who are impatient, we want that to happen fast too. God, just give us patience. You better be careful what you pray for. If you pray for patience, you will find yourself in situations that are gonna require patience. And you're like, why am I in traffic today? And God's like, I'm trying to teach you something. And if you're willing to learn it, if you're willing for it to be developed within you, you'll begin to see it as a fruit of your life. Because if we're not careful and we try to rush it, we can ruin it. If we rush it, potentially we ruin it. We have to be patient with fruit. Just like picking something from a tree, a bush, or a plant, if you pick it too early before it's ready, it will ruin the texture, flavor, and essence of the fruit. You ever tried to eat a banana while it was still green? A terrible idea. You've gotta wait for it to develop, for it to grow until it's ripe. And when we don't, we risk missing out on the, what that situation, that circumstance, that thing, that trouble could actually produce within our life. When I was in first grade, I had the, my favorite teacher I've ever had in my entire school career, and it was Miss Thomas. And Miss Thomas, when I was in first grade, she had a chinchilla in her classroom, which alone is cool. She had a chinchilla, she had some box turtles, and it was all very, very cool. But in the middle of her room, she had a terrarium. It was one of my favorite things in the room. And in that terrarium, one day, she brought a chrysalis. So just so scientifically we're all on the same page here, a chrysalis comes from a caterpillar. That caterpillar creates the chrysalis. The chrysalis eventually becomes what? A butterfly, right, will emerge from this crystal. So she brought it in and put it in the terrarium, and every day we would go check it. And one day, we had already done this. She had brought in some praying mantis a nest, praying mantis nest. They hatched and went all over the classroom. It was so awesome. But we're waiting for this one to finally hatch. And it took days. And we just come, every day we'd come in and look, and nothing would happen. It was just the same thing every single day. And then one day, while we were in the classroom, it actually began to open. You could see some feet, some antennas, and all of a sudden, this butterfly began to come out of the chrysalis but very, very slowly. And as first grade children were like, okay, hurry it up. Like, we've been waiting days for this. We can see you're trying to work your way out, but if you could just speed this up a little bit, we gotta go home to, you know, to our house in just a few hours. We need this to finish up like right now. And so we were so impatient about it. And so what we wanted to do was take the lid off the, the terrarium, you know, kind of help him out a little bit, maybe open the chrysalis just a bit, just kind of make it a little easier. It looked like it was a lot of work. 
But the problem is, if you were to do that, open up a chrysalis before it's ready and allow this butterfly out too quickly, its wings actually don't develop and the butterfly will actually die. The struggle of getting out of the chrysalis is actually the very thing that strengthens the wings of the butterfly so that, wing, that butterfly can fly and can survive. It has to have the struggle and without it, we actually render it harm, not help. I think there's something to be said about this within our life as well. If we're not careful and we rush the things that are happening within our life, we forego the patience that we need to have. If we're not careful, we find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. If we're not careful and we're not patient, potentially our capacity can outpace our character. So let's say there's an opportunity at work and you feel like you're ready for it. And so you push it a bit. You, you kind of hurry up for it a little bit. All of a sudden you find yourself, your capacity's gotten there, but your character's not ready to sustain you there. When I first left Mount Horeb, uh, the first, I only left one time. I left one time, went for two years to another church over in Irmo, and to be very honest, one of the reasons I left is that I felt like I was ready for the student ministry director position. I've been a middle school pastor for a couple of years, thought I had it all together, very young uh, in ministry and in my faith. My wife and I were out to get married, and I was not considered to take that position here at the church, and I was mad. So one of the reasons among many was that I left and went over to Irmo's because I felt like I was ready for that job. And guess what? I was not. And if I would have pushed it, my capacity maybe would have gotten me there, but my character could not have sustained me there. There's something about the struggle that teaches us something. And in fact, those two years that I spent away from Mount Horeb prepared me to come back and serve at Mount Horeb once again. I'm a different person because of it. If we're not careful and we rush things, potentially the moments we find ourselves in, they'll be too much for our maturity. Allow it to percolate a little bit, to marinate a little bit, to grow and mature in some kind of way so your maturity can be ready for the moments that you'll find yourself in. If we're not careful, if we push it too fast, we might find our pain outrunning our healing. And we'll never actually heal from the things that have hurt us or our destiny can get lost in the demand. We'll find ourselves seeing all these things that are so important because we're so impatient and we never fully live into the people that God wants us to be. If we rush it, we might ruin it. What if the period of patience that you find yourself in right now today is actually something that is strengthening you for the future? What if you're learning something right now that you cannot learn any other way? What if remaining still before God, not just counting down the clock, not just waiting, but actually giving over trust and control to embrace trust of God will help ripen and produce a holy habit that could change your life? Here's the key. The key, I believe, to living into this patience is staying in step with the Spirit of God. To the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. It's staying in step with the Spirit of God. You see, some of us that are so impatient in the room this morning, the problem is we are so far ahead of God, we can't see him anymore. We've pushed it so far that we can't see him anymore. But here's the other problem. Some of us who have motors that don't stop, there's other of us in the room this morning who have never started the motor to begin with. See, there is a, there's a fine line here in walking in step with the Spirit, staying alongside of God, not pushing too far ahead of God that we can't see what he's doing, but not lagging so far behind him that God no longer leads us. I wanna be very clear this morning. There's a difference between being patient and being passive. 
There's a difference between patience and being passive. As much as we wanna get on those around us who have this motor that doesn't stop, some of us need to get going. You see, inaction can be as destructive and as unhelpful as premature action. Both are a lack of trust. One person doesn't trust that God will come through, and so we do it on our own. The other person doesn't trust that God will lead, so we never get going. Staying in step with the Spirit of God is the thing that produces within us the fruits of the Spirit, which include patience. Some of us might say, listen, I'll be patient as long as the reward finally comes. Like, I'll be patient as long as I know God's actually gonna show up and the thing that I want and I desire so badly will actually come to fruition. If I can be promised that, I'll wait as long as you like. But is that really waiting patiently? As long as I get the reward, then I'll wait as long as I need to. I believe the scriptures actually speak differently about patience. I believe the scriptures speak to us about being so committed to the process, being as committed to the process as we are to the product. Being as committed to the process of what's taking place within our life and not just the results, but realizing that what's happening within us is a part of the reward in the end. There's a guy you may have heard of. His name's Usain Bolt. He's from Jamaica. I'll show you a picture of him. This guy right here is believed to be one of the fastest human beings on earth, if not the fastest human being on earth. He has competed in three different Olympics. He's won nine gold medals. And in all, he has ran for a total of 115 seconds. Think about that. Three Olympics Nine gold medals, he's ran for 115 seconds total to get those rewards. But something you don't think about is that Usain Bolt actually has had 20 plus years of preparation to make it to the first Olympics. 20 plus years of running and training and preparing to have the chance to run the 15 seconds. Three games, nine gold medals, 115 seconds, 20 plus years years of work, and without the hard work, Usain Bolt is not an Olympian, and he has no gold medals. It's the preparation work that prepared him for what he went through at that point in time. You see, really living out the holy habit of patience means that we, in some ways, equally long for the anticipated result as well as embrace the struggle and formation that's happening within us along the way. There are very few people that I have come across in my life who have gone through really difficult, um, long circumstances that required patience who have not expressed to me, listen, all of those years, all of those tears, all those disappointments, all those painful times, they would say to me, they were not wasted. They were not wasted, all of it which would be the opposite of what I expect them to say. Rather, the conversation almost always turns around to saying this, that waiting period changed me in some kind of way. That time of patience and waiting made me more appreciative of the life that I have. It made me more thankful. It softened my heart. It deepened my relationship with God. It enhanced my relationship with others. They often feel like they are more of a whole person because of what they've gone through. If you ask them, would you do it again? They'll say no. But I'm very thankful for what that time meant to me. St. Augustine said it this way, the renowned theologian from the fifth century, he said, the reward 
of patience is patience. The reward of patience is patience. I'll be honest, not very sexy. You would hope you would say, listen, the reward of patience is the very thing that you want. The reward of patience is that you finally get all that you desire. No, he says, the reward of patience, it's patience. You become a patient person. When we partner waiting without hurry and trust by submitting control, there is a character quality that develops within us that only God can do. And when you become a patient person, your family will recognize it. When you become a patient person, your children will recognize it. Your coworkers, they'll recognize it. The decisions that you make will be more sound. When you become a patient person, you'll become more faithful, disciplined, loving, and kind. The reward of patience is patience. When we find ourselves in times when we need patience, often we would say this, the, re- re- the reward is the desired outcome. That's what I want. When I finally find the one that my heart longs for, when I finally land the job, when I finally my kids respect me, good luck, when finally I'll be in remission, when finally I pay off my vehicle, you name it, all of these things, while perhaps these may be great ends that we're looking for, however, sometimes the waiting does not end the way we intend but you don't walk away left-handed, empty-handed. God does something in you the whole way, develops within you a holy habit and a character that is shaping. So how do we know when we've become patient people? How do we know when it's happened? There's no diploma for this, no gold star. How do we know when patience has become a part of our character, a part of our being? Patience, I believe, is revealed actually in the painful times, not in the perfect times. If you wanna know if you're patient, you have to pay attention to the times that are most painful, not the times when everything is perfect. Before I got married, I really considered myself to be somewhat patient. And I got married. And I realized I'm not patient at all. Anybody else in the room? I got, I got married, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I'm, I don't wanna wait on anybody to do anything. In fact, if I'm on my own, I can get so many more things done. I'm so much more efficient, you know, all these things. And I realize I'm not a patient person at all. God's got a lot of work to do within me. Maybe you feel like you're patient, but have you ever watched your child try to zip up their own jacket? You're like, just, just grab the, the thing and just pull, just do it. Hurry up, you know? There's so many things that reveal to us that we actually indeed are not patient at all. Think about the past 18 months this season that we've been going through, this sickness, I mean, how many of us, we have been so impatient saying, listen, when's the vaccine coming? When can we finally be done with masks? All of these things. And my family, like many in the room, has experienced over the past year a loss of a loved one. We watched for four years this person that we loved so dearly get sick. We prayed intently for God to intervene and do something. After four long years, we had to say goodbye. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like what should come at the end of patience when we really live patience. But in the end, I believe there's something special that happens when we find ourselves leaning into God, giving up our timetable, trusting that his plan is better, And here's the reason, it's very simple, it's love. 
love. Love is the thing that allows us to live with patience. When we come to realize that God is not just tolerating you, but he loves you, truly loves you. And we have given him every reason to be like, you know what, I'm done. I've tried, Trevor, and you screwed up every single time. I'm moving on. Because surely somebody else could do it better. That's not what God does. Continually offering grace, mercy, love, care, compassion, over and over and over again. You wanna know the reason that we have a storehouse of patience that we could have within our life is because our God is patient with us. There's a verse in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, probably the most famous verse when it comes to love. If you've ever been to a wedding before, you've heard this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here's what it says. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. The first word about love in the first Corinthians chapter 13 is this. Love is patient. It's patient. And God loves us even though we are far too imperfect. To really love your spouse takes patience. Especially if you're married to me. To really love your kids takes patience, amen? To really love someone, to reach out in service and care and concern to the world takes patience because love is patient. Richard Foster tells a story in a book about a father and a two-year-old son who were at the mall, walking through the mall, shopping for the little boy's mom trying to find the right thing and they're walking along and this two-year-old boy is doing what every two-year-old boy does, no longer listening to his father, trying to go into every, every uh, store they're coming across, talking too much, talking to people, you know, all the things. And this poor dad is trying so hard to stay with his son and you know, keep him under control. He's talking to him. And, and eventually this father's having a really hard time being patient with his two-year-old son. So eventually he picks up the little boy, he holds him close to his chest and the boy's squirming in his arms and the dad begins to sing a song that is off tune and totally off beat. He's like, hey, uh, you're my son and I love you and we're sh shopping at the mall and these things. And eventually as he's singing to his little boy, the little boy stops wiggling in his arms and begins to kind of finally calm down and, and just let his dad hold him. And eventually they leave the mall and they walk out to the car. Dad opens the door, puts the boy in his car seat and he's getting him in his car seat when all of a sudden the little boy's face looks up at his dad and his arms go out and he says, Dad, sing it one more time. Sing me the song one more time. I think for some of us this morning, one of the only ways we will really ever truly know this holy habit of patience is to recognize and realize that God has been singing this song over us from the beginning. He's patient with us. He loves us. He offers grace, mercy, compassion, even for you and even for me. And if I can receive that patience that God has for me, maybe by waiting patiently, being still before the Lord, he might develop within me a new kind of characteristic, one of patience as well, so that I might receive love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and become the person that God wants me to be. It's a keystone habit. It's not easy, but it's something that God can only do within us. So I wanna pray a prayer over you this morning. 
And I want this prayer as a liturgy to be prayed over us today, believing and trusting that God is at work in the middle of our waiting today. I wanna put these words on the screen, but I wanna read it over you this morning as a blessing to you. Here's what it says. As my life is lived in anticipation of the redemption of all things, so let my slow movement of my circumstance be to my own heart a living parable and a teachable moment. Do not waste even my petty irritations, O God, or my heavy pain. Use them to expose my sin and selfishness and to reshape my vision and my desire into better, holier things. Be present in my waiting, O Lord, that I might also be present in it as a Christ bearer to those before, behind, and beside me who also wait. Let's pray. Jesus, I wanna be first in line this morning just to tell you that I, I'm not very good at waiting on you. Would you forgive me, God? Would you teach me to walk in step with your spirit, not too far ahead, and forgive me for the times that I lag behind? May I walk in the cadence that you have for my life. And may you develop within me a fruit of the spirit, a patience for those in my family, for those who are my friends, for those that I work with and for the world who is in need. And ultimately, God, a patience with my own self that as you grow me, shape me, inform me, it's on your timetable, not mine. So God, help us, every one of us this morning to live intentional lives. Help us live with grateful hearts and help us to do so being marked by patience waiting on you to work within us. We love you, God. And it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said, amen.